Hello and welcome to the Brum Radio Book Show. Your monthly, sort of monthly, bi-monthly, whenever we get together <laughs> and we've got time, look at the world of, uh, of, of books. Um, so, uh, how is everybody? Uh, so, I'm here. Sorry, sorry, my name's Michael Gale. I've just woken up uh, and uh, it's been a while. It's been a while, so Michael's, Michael oh, is now Michael Gale. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> You know, it's that it's that time. So sorry, everyone. We are here on live on Brum Radio, yeah. and um, I am Blake Woodham, and I am the one who does the buttons. And because it's been a while since I've been on, I've forgotten how some what some of them do. So apologies if there's a squeaking noise. It's, it's it, speaking of a squeaking noise, <laughs> Catherine. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm here to squeak. So Mike has forgotten how to speak. Blake has forgotten how to turn knobs, and I've. Forgotten um, something really important as well. I'm not sure what. Yeah, I forgot what it is. It's going well. Anyway, this is uh, uh, your regular look at the the world of books. You can interact with us. Um, you can uh, get us on Twitter at, at brumradio underscore books, or you can uh, email us at bookclub at brumradio. Um, so before we dot com dot com yes. Uh, before we get into uh, what's on the show, uh, how is everybody? How well? How are your? How's your bookish month been? My bookish month has been good, actually, mainly because I went to Drayton Manor and uh, went on the log flume Oh, there, right, okay. And that destroyed my phone. And this has been a good thing for my book month because it means I've been reading books again. Oh, because, fantastic, okay. So that's, that's been an unlikely uh, outcome. So what have you read? Um, I read Sadie Jones' New One Snakes. Oh, yeah, good. Very, yeah, very good. I read Luke Brown's forthcoming novel called Theft, also very good. Okay, Excellent. who's that coming out with? Um, it's... A publisher, whose name I've forgotten there, a northern publisher, literary, small, don't ask me, right, I've okay, forgotten, yeah, if you yeah. said it, I don't um, and um, I'm reading the Andrew Michael Hurley's um, second book, which I've forgotten the title of. Um, uh, Devil's Day. Devil's Day, oh, which I've had for about a year, and uh, now, it's only when my phone becomes interlocked <laughs> in Stormforce 10 that I get to read these things. This is some sort of, I, I feel like it's a big metaphor for something, but I'm not quite sure what. Yeah, well, I was right on the cusp of saying we should all ditch our phones. You know, obviously they've killed, you know, they've destroyed all our concentration, blah, blah, blah. And I was really on the verge of this until last night. I drove around Smethwick literally for two hours, completely lost because I didn't have sat nav. Ah. <laughs> so reading or being lost in Smethwick. <laughs> it's one of the two. Yeah. How about you, Blake? Um, I have also been to uh, Drayton Manor, um, but uh, I emerged relatively unscathed. I have to admit, what I've suddenly um, discovered is um, non-fiction, and I have been—I have, whilst I have remained Ooh, fictional, yes. um, I've um, yeah, I've been reading a lot of autobiographies um, and and biographies and um, celebrity chefs, that kind of celebrity thing. chefs, yeah, Ballers. Trevor Francis's new one, um, which incidentally is coming out soon, and yeah, uh, I see it's yeah. at Waterstones. Yeah. There is an event at Waterstones, um, so so yeah, but I'm, I'm interested in the idea of. Uh, of kind of slightly, um, you know, how these can be circumvented. I don't know if any of you have read, I, think, I can't remember his name now, but HHHH, which Laura, is... Lauren Binet. Lauren Binet, that's right. So there's a novel, novel come biography, um, which very self-consciously talks about history. He talks, you know, so he's talking about the book and he's also talking about the title of the book. And at one point he says, I've decided on this title. Um, if the cover is not this title then it means that my publishers have won and the cover is not that title so it's quite interesting kind of playing with the idea of 
you know, the author and the fact that, you know, is, is when you read a biography, in particular autobiography, is it, it's just fiction anyway, isn't it? So is it all that different? Discuss. Um, what about you, Mike? Um, I've, I've had a really, bizarrely, a really bookish month. So, um... Bizarrely for a celebrated novelist. <laughs> um, well, well, no, because my, most of my, my, my months tend to be quite boring, and um, uh, it, it's been sort of star-studded. So um, I did a, a World Book event, a World Book Night event, mm. which is the sort of adult version where they don't dress up as book characters. They but don't they wear just, clothes. Um, no, they just go and do things. But um, So I, I was invited to this thing down at, uh, at the Swanky H Club in Covent Garden, and uh, I just thought it would be a bunch of authors um, just doing readings. And I rock up into the green room, and um, there is Steve McIntosh, James Prufroy, Michelle Collins, Jason Isaacs, and uh, uh, and a bunch of authors. And we have this event um, celebrating Brooks books. So we read the authors read from their own books, and the actors were were, were doing some really amazing readings from um, their favourite fiction. So it was a, a really yeah. really good night, but just a little bit like. What am I doing? <laughs> How is this even possible? Um, and uh, so, uh, I've, uh, also, I've got my book coming out um, June thirteenth, which is called um, "He Forgets." It's called what's <laughs> it called, Blake? Half a world away. Half a world away. It's called Half a world away. And um, so, Waterstones are, are very kindly. Uh, well, they they are selling signed copies, and so I. Um, but rather than going around to every Waterstones individually, I'm having to go down to Abingdon. Um, to Bookpoint, which is like a massive book distributor, uh, tomorrow to sign 1,000 copies tomorrow. Um, so uh, you've been beefing up your muscles. Yes, yes. So me and my pen are going all the way to just outside Oxfordshire to uh, sign 1,000 copies, which apparently takes about three hours. Do you feel the need? Do you think you'll feel the need to sort of ever kind of adapt any? You know, for, for interest's sake, will you be adding the odd one that says well, like, this it, is the one with the extra bit? Or I've, I've done it before, but um, I, you know. It, it, it just you start off, you know, my girl, and, and then by the end it's just like you just drawing circles and uh-huh. oh, just a big splurge. It, it was just yeah. But it, what it what, what do you do when you so will you um, will you have like listen to an audio book? Will you kind of watch a film? Will you? I mean, because you can do. You know what? I, just... I, I suspect it will just be three hours of awkward conversation with a complete stranger while right. I sign books. Right, that's good. Um, because. Uh, Again, this is interesting only if you're um, the three of us, but um, <laughs> you it's, it's a rule that you I, I only learned when I entered the book world, is that you don't sign the book on the on the first page, which is yeah. a mistake that most rookies make. Like they sort of open the book and say, here's a blank page, sign that, and you go, yeah. no, you have to actually sign it on the title page. And, um, and, and if you're like a really proper author, which yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know about you, Mark, you cross out. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, you cross so out your name. You cross out where it's printed. Yeah, I've seen people do that. Yeah, What's the logic behind that? This one is signed. Well, I know it's signed because you just put your name. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't cross my book out. <laughs> Scribbling it. Anyway, now that we've warmed up, sorry about that. Um, we can tell you what's going to be on the show this month. Uh, uh, so, um, big culture event. Uh, obviously, um, has been the final episode of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. massive TV series that was based on a series of novels, and it's got us thinking about adaptations and to what extent it's possible to hand characters over to different writers. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later. We'll also be talking about the all-conquering normal people um, by Sally Rooney, which has won uh, lots of awards, and um, we're also going to be telling you what's on. We're going to be talking um, about a, a really interesting story uh, that's come up in the cropped up in the YA. World that's quite controversial, and um, I suppose off the back of the um, uh, Game of Thrones thing, we're, we're also going to be talking about 
sort of books as books as binge items, you know. So mm. can you binge books in the same way that you can binge your Netflix series? And if we have time, we might be talking a little bit about genre. Um, so that is uh, a international impact show. Um, and uh, before that, we're going to talk about events. And mm. so, Blake, what is going on in Birmingham? Well, as as you know, Mike, um, the, the event that, that all the the literary people are talking about is the launch of Mike Gale's next book, Half a World Away. Thank you. And there is going to be a launch uh, of that at Waterstones, which I think is the 13th of June. And yes. and um, you get two uh, megastars for price of one because that is going to be hosted by me. Sorry, it's the 19th of June. Oh, right, the 19th of June. Oh, I can't come. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so do come along for that. Um, I believe you'll be signing there or... Uh, yes, I'll be signing there. And uh, taking and, questions. Uh, and taking questions uh, uh, and general chit-chat. And um, yes, it will be guaranteed to be a, a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm also hosting another event uh, there, which is going to be the paperback launch of uh, Kit DeWall's uh, novel, The Trick to Time, oh, yes, um, course, yeah. which is going to be on the 4th of July. Uh, and similarly, there'll be opportunity to ask questions of the author there. But there are other events that aren't hosted by me uh, <laughs> there as well. Some The, the, the Beekeeper of Aleppo, um, which is a, a novel which has um, got a lot of um, publicity. The, there is a launch event for that. I'm just sorry, do you finding think that, do you think that title was like generated by algorithm. It does, I, it does feel like the. <laughs> Thing, the thing in an incongruous place <laughs> thing the uh, shepherd the so um the um well interestingly enough it's it's actually discussion between the author of that um which is uh, christy lefferty uh, lefferty and uh, also um she's in discussion with aisha malik author of the the similarly named sophia Carner is not obliged okay um the, um, and also the other half of happiness. Anyway, so that's an event on on the seventeenth of June. There's also a lot of um, stuff for half term coming up. So there's there's uh, storytelling workshops. There's an Elma event there at Waterstones. The um, you know the um, patchwork, patchwork elephant. Yeah. Uh, and of course the aforementioned. It's really annoying, actually, Elma. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a very hungry caterpillar stuff. Anyway, so have you look at the Waterstones Birmingham website for events there, Derek Landy? Um, the skullduggery pleasant uh, author is coming along oh, that's for today, actually, isn't it? Yeah. that is uh, today yeah, uh, no okay. it's not it's not it's thursday thursday sorry i thought today was thursday but thursday it's week in fact yeah. we are so on the ball today yeah. so <laughs> next thursday so nothing like today anyway um so yeah there's some events uh, what about you mike anything else um i've all i've got is um i've got uh, the uh, bristol short Pri- story prize uh, are, apparently they're open for entries um and they, so basically, any any short story, it's open to all writers, published or unpublished, UK or non-UK, and the announcements um, will be made in October 2019. So, um, so yeah, just Google the Bristol Short Story Prize, and I think that's about all I've got for me. How about you, Catherine? Um, yeah, there's quite a lot going on in uh, June. Um, so on the 1st of June, Ros Goddard, who's um, generally a good egg and was the former Poet Laureate of Birmingham, mm-hmm. she's doing a poetry workshop uh, that involves a walk across Warwick University campus and responding to the artworks. I, I used to work at Warwick University campus and my responses would be quite bleak, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, she's doing that on the 1st of June. Um, Kavita Barnott, who's another good egg, is doing a couple of... Um, writing workshops as well. She's doing one on the 15th of June, starting to write. That's at the Impact Hub 
Um, and then she did one on the 29th of June called uh, Decolonising Creative Writing, and that's also at the Impact Hub. Um, and yeah, that's about it. There's, oh, we've kind of missed this a bit, but it sounds good. There was a six-week short fiction course that started on the 1st of May, so it's on for quite a while longer, run by um, Lisa Blower, Dr. Lisa Blower at University Centre Shrewsbury. Have you read any of her stuff? I feel like I have. Because I, I, I haven't, but I was reading an article about it the other day, and she sounded absolutely great, and I thought, why haven't I read her stuff? So there you go. If you're it's not because you've been staring at your phone, but now, <laughs> now it's right, no longer so um, our, our first sort of topic uh, for, for the day, we're, we're going to be talking about Sally Rooney. Now, we talk about Sally, I think we've spoken about <laughs> Sally Rooney quite a bit on well, the show. Well, it's, 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 it's um, a legal requirement um, <laughs> for any literary uh, um, podcast. And I, I suppose that's, that's part of the point, isn't it? That, that um, you know, it's become this book that you can't help avoid talking about. Uh, and the reason why we're talking about it in particular is that she's just won um, a British Book Award um, also known as the Nibbies. Um, so she's won, and she actually beat, um, uh, what's her name? Michelle uh, Obama. Michelle Obama, that's the one, into second place. So um, everybody thought that Michelle Obama was going to be a shoo-in, and um, uh, Rooney has won. And it, it's a really interesting book, just because it seems to have really captured lots of people's imaginations, and the book trains imaginations. And um, I suppose... The debate is, well, is, is it two-part? You know, how does it feel to have a book? You know, what do we think about the book in itself? Mm-hmm. But also, speaking from that, what do you think this book means for the industry going forward? Are we going to be seeing lots more Sally Rooney's? Mm. Well, I mean, that's always the, the issue, isn't it, is when everything's something successful, it's f- desperate for the next one. And, you know, in my, experience, in my observation, never seems to be successful because, you know, the... the the thing that makes a book work for you is alchemy, isn't it? It's just this kind yeah. of this kind of magic that, that the people are desperately always trying. I mean, I think if things could be generically produced, you know, they they would be, but they never see it never seems to work like that anyway. I mean, what's this novel about? It's a novel about you know relationships and young people. I mean, that's not exactly a innovative subject. It's just obviously the way no, she's written it has, no, has caught it, imagination. It seems to have. So, what do you think about it? I mean, I, I've read it. Uh, and um, <laughs> <laughs> neither of us have. Yeah. I actually, oh, the, interestingly, I bought it this week yeah. because I knew we were going to be talking about it, and I got it in Sainsbury's. Oh, right. Yeah. And I she, thought that she, was really yeah. interesting. It's, it was there, it was half price, it was in Sainsbury's, and I thought, this is a novel that's been yeah. t- talked about in literary terms. Yeah. It's up there with, with Lee Child and with, you know, with Jeffrey Deaver, and it was in the shelf next to me, and I thought that but was you know, quite it, interesting. It feels a little bit like, um, you know, going in, in the 80s uh, and finding the Smiths in, in um, mm. Woolworths. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's something from one world that has become, reached such success that it's in a different world. Mm. And I, I, I suppose that's what I find really interesting about it, because it's opened up things and it's made, you know, people are, are, seem to be reading fewer books. And so they're reading the books that people are talking about. And because of that, a lot of people are being pushed towards um, Sally Rooney's book, Normal People, in a, in a way that they perhaps wouldn't be. And I, I can't help thinking that's a little bit unfair because, you know, you've only got to look at the Amazon reviews to see that actually a lot of people are just reading it because it's a book that has been hyped mm. uh, or they feel that it's been hyped and they are really scathing of it. And in part, I, I kind of feel, well, actually, you're not Sally Rooney's audience. Yeah, mm. right. And so, it, it's you know, you've you brought a book to the attention of an audience that doesn't... that. It wasn't really targeted that, and I just wonder whether that's 
Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I think um, I think that's always the, the the problem with sort of books that are massively hyped, aren't they? They're going to pick up all kinds of readers who maybe who think, hey, actually, maybe this is the kind of slightly boring, plotless literary novel. I'm not saying slightly boring, but slightly boring. But I mean, let's. I'm just sort of yeah, yeah. characterising literary fiction. But there are fiction. people who like that sort yeah, of thing, which yeah. is absolutely fine. Yeah. And some people who like, who like, I don't normally like that. I normally like a bit more of a plot, but hey, I'll give it a go. And then they find that it... I mean, I think with Sally Rooney, people seem to respond... I didn't read this. I've read her first novel. People respond incredibly well to her writing. They love her. It's her actual writing itself, yeah. isn't mm-hmm. it? More than... You know, I don't hear people talking that much about the characters. It's just the writing. And I think older people, strangely, love her, this book in particular. I've seen, I've, I've met lots of older people who love it. And I think they love it because they think it's this insight into that generation, which I guess it is. So it's kind of, it, it, she definitely resonate, resonates with loads of people. But the problem is when things go into supermarkets, you know. Same with, you know, uh, alfalfa sprouts or whatever, you know, you try and you think, I think they're overhyped, you know. I remember, it reminded me of a colleague of mine who, who went with their mum and they went, they got tickets to a Tom Stoppard play in London, um, purely based on, he'd written the screenplay for Shakespeare in Love, so they yeah. thought it was going to be like a rom-com, yeah. um, and they got there and they were like, what's all this weird stuff yes. about astrophysics and stuff, and they didn't, they didn't get on it at all, but that is the danger, isn't You it? made an interesting, interesting point earlier just about in terms of sales um and, and about you know sally rooney versus you know say your you know your big hitters like um the Lee Charles. Lee Charles. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that point well the point was just um you know the the, the there's an article in the guardian which which mike sent around to us the other day i'm sure we can post up on our twitter um saying how you know booksellers are just you know people are walking in off the streets and before they open their mouths the booksellers are shoving Sally Rooney in their hands because they know that's what they want and this idea that it's just become this absolute behemoth and it has sold very very well but i'm not sure it has compared to you know 50 shades of grey and all these mega mega hits <laughs> excuse me and it's just Somehow, when a book which is "quote unquote" literary yeah. is successful, um, you know the industry seems incredible, much more congratulatory, much more kind of yeah. what a That's phenomenon this is. Very true. Um, and you know, selling a hundred thousand copies is great, but then you know, Lee Child would call that a terrible, well, well, a yeah. good week, probably. You know. Yeah. Do you, do you wonder? I, I just, it, as you were saying that, it just occurred to me whether it, they feel that when a book like, like that has has achieved that sort those sort of sales, that they know that it's down to them. Maybe you know Maybe that, that this so. you know with, with each child mm-hmm. they know that it, it, it's standardly child, but with them it, they kind of feel like this is our marketing. <laughs> you know, we are a marketing beast, and this is what we can do. We can we can sell somebody like Sandy Rooney, who who on the face of it seems a little bit niche, yeah, to the masses, and we can get her in supermarkets. This is our might. Yeah. Yeah, and mm. they don't care if those people read the book and aren't that keen on it. They no, just want no. to sell that book. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's. Uh, so. yeah. um, it reminds me. I read an article um, a while back about marketing and books, and it was talking about how think like when um, it was Salman Rushdie's memoir. Was it called um, Joseph? Anyway, it doesn't matter. He, he wrote a memoir, and you know, I'm not, I'm not actually a big fan of Salman Rushdie at all. But obviously, he's an incredibly high-profile author. This was not, you know, the memoir of an author who hadn't had a particularly eventful life. You know, this is a man who lived in hiding. He was in a really, really big yeah. book. And it was covered in all the, you know, the weekend press. It was interviews. It was everywhere. And I think in the first week it sold like about a thousand. It was p- pitiful. It was really, really low. And he's think, God almighty, you know, marketing books is such a sort of, it's, it's just really hard to second guess what on earth would work. What would it take people to pick up a book? And so the Sally Rooney thing is... To not be is, written by Sam and Rusty, it would appear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just sort of baffling. It's like, 
the, I think that's why they're so excited about Sally Rooney because it's so rare that a book like that catches, I guess, you know, yeah. and, and shifts any kind of, as you say, I'm sure it's not actually comparable to, you know, commercial fiction as it's termed. But, um, but yeah. So. But yeah, I think that point that that, that Mike makes very interesting as well is is that it, you know there is a potential danger in there in that it just you know people will buy it expecting something else yes. because it's there on in Sainsbury's. But um, um, interesting, interesting times and marketing is something that we're that is always a vexed a vexed debate yeah. for us as well, isn't it? I was talking, I remember talking to to Stuart, the manager of Waterstones here, and saying when they moved their all their crime fiction out of the the uh, the crime fiction the dark ghetto hole where they put it yeah, yeah. <laughs> put it in amongst all of the other fiction yeah. that it actually boosted sales yeah you know and people yeah. are you know well and, and, and this is it you know it, it's I suppose we're, we're sort of touching a little bit on 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 uh, genre conversation from from later because on the one hand if you are fans of a particular genre yes you you do want to be able to find a special place where you're where you where you can go and find it. But if you've decided that you're not a science fiction reader, you will never go there, no, no. and you will miss out on an awful lot of really good yeah. fiction. And so, and so there, there's an argument. Yes, there's an argument for having these niches, but there's also an argument for, in addition to those niches, with the same as black fiction and, and mm. all other sorts of fiction, to have them in the mainstream stream where they can actually be found. Well, yeah. well, well interestingly, uh, I was in. Um, uh, Waitrose a while back, and obviously because oh, that's, that's where Sally Rudy's natural home is. They they had an interesting marketing strategy, which was which was that they had these books wrapped in brown uh, oh, paper. Yes, the gift bags. Yeah. Um, and you didn't you bought it as a surprise, so you didn't know what it was. It had a, something on it that said, you know. It was a romance or something, but the idea was, you know, you you sort of listen without prejudice type of thing. You'd buy it and wrap it. I mean, the, the stupidness of it all though was that they were like three quid more than the books that weren't uncovered. So you're buying it as a punt, but you're paying three quid more, and you knew it's one of the other ones they had on the shelves anyway, just wrapped wow, up. That sounds a terrible idea. Which was which I don't I don't think they do it anymore, but <laughs> I, I quite like the idea of that. That kind of you know this idea of my 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 mother has a um, like a, a book year thing from. Uh, independent bookshop um, mm. in Bath where they send oh, her yeah, that's right yeah. yeah they send her yeah. one each sight unseen each month yeah. um, and then kind of you know talk to her about it and find out whether she liked it and stuff and she loves that yeah that's like a curated list isn't mm. it it's a lovely idea that well you're listening to the Brum Radio Bum, uh, the Brum Radio Bum Show the Brum Radio <laughs> Book Show that's on after nine <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. You're reading. Sorry, um, you're listening to the Brum Radio Book Show, and uh, we're talking about uh, books. If you've got anything you'd like to say to us, uh, please get in contact. You can tweet us at at Brum Radio underscore Books or email us at bookclub at brumradio.com. And we should mention that you would be responded to by our producer Andrew, who Andrew is here. Andrew is in the house. He hasn't been in the house for a little while, but he's back. How are you, Andrew? He's just coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Head pops Hello guys. Unfortunately, I don't have a mic where I am. Though. Oh I'm no! Relegated into the uh, into the, uh, the broom cupboard. Room, so yeah, I've just had to pop through. But yes, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? All right. Back go you back go now. Game. Back. back. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 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 Andrew is actually the, the uh, of all of us. He's probably reads the most books and uh, and actually used to work in a bookshop. So um, he should actually be presenting he this show. Clearly, um, while we just bow at his knees. Um, anyway. Um, we're going to be talking um, about um, swapping Netflix for novels. Now, this is an article and you found, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so this is something that appeared in the New York Times 
and it's written by the novelist um, Ben Dolick. And he was talking about how um, he had a power outage at um, his apartment. Um, and it must have been for, presumed for a few uh, for a few nights, and so he couldn't go on the internet, couldn't watch Netflix as as usual, and so um, by candlelight he picked up a, a Ruth Rendell novel and began reading it, and um, he he was talking about how much he really enjoyed the process of not just picking up a book for ten minutes or, or fifty minutes before you go to bed, but actually ploughing through it, reading loads of it, in, 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 I suppose, the way that it's designed to be read. Mm -hmm. And um, it made him think, you know, what if we read books in the same way that we consumed Netflix novels? Mm. Well, this Catherine. is what Catherine's experiencing this with her yes. phone. Yeah, yeah, I think... Um, I really, I really liked his article because I think it's actually... I mean, one of the things that resonated with me, actually, was not so much the immersing yourself and reading for hours and hours because I... I suppose because of the work we do and stuff, we I get to do that quite often. I can pretend it's work, so yeah. I have the luxury of being able to do that. But in that, like when my phone was broken, I was carrying a book with me all the time, so that when I was picking the kids up from school, I had something to look at rather than just staring slack-jawed at my phone. And um, <laughs> it meant, um, and so for me, actually, the dipping in and out of novels was quite a revelation because I was like, hey, you know, actually 10 minutes is long enough to, you know, so, but I know... I absolutely understand what he means, that sort of consuming novels where you completely, you know, drop into them. I remember when I lived in um, Spain and I ran out of all my books and so I went along to the local library and they had one shelf of English books and I just went through it, you know. And so I was reading, like, really books that I would never have picked up. Like, I, I remember reading Mole Flanders one day, Toni Morrison the next wow. day. Just walking, you know, it was a very weird... But it was amazing. It was like, yeah, totally like a Netflix binge. It was just about a week where I was just kind of reading all these... Like, and it's, um, it's absolutely... It's, I don't know, it's weird. In some ways it makes me feel more guilty than watching Netflix. I don't know why that would be. Because it takes longer. Um, Maybe that's it. You know, I mean, you know, it takes an hour to watch a Netflix episode. But this is one of the things I've been noticing about having gone into my, my sort of audio book phase is that I, I see now it takes 12 hours to read a book. And it's just yeah. like, that is a huge commitment mm. yeah. to something which you may or may not like or, you know, or it's going to spend, you know, several chapters describing trees. Um, so I now, I now see, actually, that you, you, when you're, it's a big commitment to pick up a book and to say, this is the book I'm going to read. Hmm. How, how are you with the Netflix, uh, well, Netflix I, I, I'm very similar. I, 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 um, I have a, a little notebook and I write down, uh, when I finish the book, I write, I write just the title of it and a few lines about it so I can remind myself. Um, and, I got, and a few years ago, I got an iPad. And then I reviewed my year at the end. I discovered, you know, the overlap between the amount of books I read and getting the iPad, you know, very much immediately dropped off because exactly what Catherine was saying, it was all those, it's actually all those kind of incidental times. Yeah. And I thought I'd be on my phone or on my iPad. Um, and then when I go on holiday and I sit there, and, you know, it's either that or hang out with the kids. So I'm just desperately reading. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. And I think I, every time I come back from holiday, I think, oh, I'm, re I'm absolutely back in love with books again. And I think I'm, I'm just going to burn all my Netflix subscriptions and mm. just read all the time. And then, of course, you know, it just slips back into it. But I'm absolutely agreeing. Again, I, I, really, I really enjoyed the article because I thought it was exactly true. Is this whole thing of when you really get into it and you're really that's all you're doing and you're picking up every you know, and it doesn't have to be the binging, I think. It's, it's also that when you have got that 10 minutes, that's the one thing you desperately want to get back yeah. to. Once you get into that kind of mode with a book, yeah. um, it is brilliant. And it is, 
It is better than and telly. It, and it's better than telly as well because you can step into it any time you like. You know, mm. yeah, you can be standing in the middle of your kid's playground and all of a sudden you're back in this world again. Yeah. You know, it's that's just incredible, I think. You know, I always say that to my daughter who's 10 now and just really not into books at all. I'm like, how can you not be into that magic carpet? You realise we're the them? weirdos though, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it, it's it's the holiday thing. You know, I, I don't, um, because I, I don't I don't review uh, books in the same way that Catherine does, I don't get that, that huge amount of time to just sit and read unless I'm on holiday. And it's only when I'm on holiday that I, and when I'm on holiday and I'm reading a book, I suddenly just think to myself, this is the most amazing thing. Yeah. Why aren't I doing it? Mm. Why am I yeah. not doing this all the time? And for me, actually, the, the binging thing is is the thing that I really like. What I, what there, there is for me, there is no better feeling than picking up a book, getting into it, and finding that you just can't wait to get back yeah. into this book. And you know, what am I doing with this reality and, and, and <laughs> eating food? And I just want to get back to this book and find out what happens next. Yeah. And I think the problem that books have got compared to, to TV, I think TV, people will watch something that is average because it's on, because TV yeah. is very easy to consume, yeah. whereas books are much more difficult to consume. And so there is that barrier, you know, and I, I just think what we need to be doing is, is you know, it's almost like I, I, when I, I find when I'm on holiday that... Um, I'll take a big pile of books and there will be certain books that I thought I was really going to enjoy that I won't enjoy and that becomes very apparent very quickly and I, I will just end up skim reading them. Yeah. Um, but then there are the ones that, there are, that are really good and I, I want to savour every page and it, it's, it's the battle between those, those two things. You know, I think, I really do truly believe that there are books out there for every single person that will connect with every single person but it, it's it's finding them mm. in in amongst you know when you go into waterstones and you just say i want a book and you go well take your pick we need trailers that's yeah. it yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think well i think it's interesting actually, because i think our emotional response to books is very different because if I'm, you know, as we all know, we can watch pretty mediocre telly and still enjoy it. You can spend two hours watching some mediocre thing and think, mm, yeah, I'll probably watch it next week because, as you say, but with books, if it's a bit mediocre, you feel quite, emo- you feel like, oh, what are you trying to do to me here? You feel a bit cheated by the mm. author and you get, oh, my response is like slightly angry and very, much, much more um, angry than I would be by crap telly. <laughs> and so there's something slightly, I think, I don't know, maybe I guess you're investing more in a book and you feel kind of duped if it's not brilliant whereas tv i'm quite happy to be duped by mediocrity but that sort of brings us very neatly um round to uh, our, our sort of game of thrones uh, mm. thing because um, we've had the uh, the finale which was was it on monday sunday night sunday did you stay up at four <laughs> i didn't but I, I read something like three million people did or something wow. so been just not going into work or going into work bleary eyed uh, I, I i've been watching it i've yeah. uh, i have to say um and yeah so those are those of you that don't know we're not going to spoil the ending um, although the writers already did yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no we're not hearing that here um we, one of the reasons we want to talk about this today is this petition uh, have, you, have you seen about this? Yes. Mm. So there's a petition that's been put up to remake it with competent writers. <laughs> yes. um, and it got us thinking about this idea that it's, um, you know, it's interesting because the, the guys that wrote this, they signed up to adapt a series of novels yeah. and then ended up having to write it 
from scratch because the series got ahead of the novels in, in, in chronology. Yeah. But to be fair, I mean, um, George Martin or George R. R. Martin, yeah. um, he was involved in the whole mm. process. So he, yeah. it's not like they're just going beyond yeah. what yeah. he wants. Yeah, the spaceship bit yeah. was, was, <laughs> was very unusual. The time travel sequence surprised me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what do we think? I mean, uh, first of all, what did you, th- I mean, do you subscribe to this idea that the writing got worse as it went on? Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that the writing's got worse. I just think that people's expectations... I mean, I've, I've never read the novel, so I don't... I, don't, I can't compare. I can mm. only talk about a TV series. Um, or talk about authorship. And um, I just think... It, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing because uh, it's this idea of who owns the story. Is it mm. the fans or is it the actual author? And, you know... One of the things that Game of Thrones made Game of Thrones so good is the fact that it, it, it did thwart the things that the audience wanted, and I, I think that's a very same same. You know, you can say the same for some sort of novelist as well. You think they're going to go left, they go right. You think they're going to give you a happy ending, they give you an unhappy ending, and I think sometimes you know people consuming culture, especially books, they you know. You know Quite often they go to genre because they want um, a certain type of book with a certain where a certain type of thing happens, and they do want predictability. Yeah. Um, and so with, with romance novels, you know, I've got lots of mates who, who sort of um, write in that sort of um, field, and they, you know, they have to deliver the happy ending. It, it's it, there is no question of them not doing that. Mm. Um, so I suppose that that. You know, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that, you know, game, you, you know, you buy into Game of Thrones for the very reason that it doesn't always deliver what you want it to deliver. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting when they went beyond, you know, when they were just working from his kind of storyline rather mm. than his actual novels. What I found interesting was I, I did think it deteriorated, but the areas in which I thought it fell down were the areas that TV normally excels at, which was dialogue and pacing, Mm. which is normally, you know, the strong point of TV writers. And so I was really surprised that the pacing went very sort of erratic and unsatisfactory. And the dialogue was atrocious, which I'd never thought the dialogue was that amazing in Game of Thrones, to be honest. I didn't think that he was like a master of dialogue, but I thought it just fell off a cliff, really. Yeah. But the plot was fine. I didn't... The plotting, you know, was fine, really. I think one of the things that I find fascinating is he's still writing these novels. Um, he's had, you know, the world's largest focus group yeah. reaction to the ending, which he may or may not <laughs> uh, write. How on earth does a writer withstand that pressure, knowing what, knowing that this immense reaction to this? How does he not go right? I'm going to change the ending. You know. How do you avoid that? I think he's pretty tough on the pressure, though, isn't he? I mean, he's been yes, under yeah. such... Pr- I mean, he's managed to withstand the pressure to finish it, hurry think, his I, books mm. up. And Anyone who can kill off that many characters um, with, without any qualms yeah. you know, it isn't going to sort of bow to, bow to pressure, but... It, it, I, saw, I heard um, Game of Thrones described an episode of Game of Thrones as being like a Katie Hopkins tweet. It's got 140 characters, and at the end, something awful happens. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very true. I, 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 I think it's... Um, you know, I, I can imagine that, you know, I think people, people, I, again, I suppose it's back to that idea of ownership about people want what they want 
and they get very angry when they don't. And they really feel like they've they owned it. All. And I find it fascinating all the 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 the. the the fact that everyone becomes an expert, you know, yeah. all these debates, the things that you keep hearing all the time, oh, foreshadowing, he didn't foreshadow it, and his character arc was not fulfilled. <laughs> and people have got these kind of language yes. now, and they, yeah. and they, you know, and they are so sophisticated. And exactly as, as Mike was saying, is if it doesn't fulfill the rules, they get incredibly yeah. angry. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but this is because they think that there are, that there are rules, and they, they forget the fact that they only know what they know when they feel what they feel because the writers have given them these yes. things mm. yeah, exactly. and there, there comes a point within any, any any storytelling where people feel that they they know enough to kind of go oh right okay I can take this over from, from now on and so it, it's a similar thing that you get with the Star Wars things where I'm sure now you could get a, a fan saying I could write a Star Wars novel you know or a Star Wars um, book or anything like that, and they do, um, and they yeah. And there's lots, of, and of course, yeah. It, very much we get this is where we get fan fiction from. This is where fans take the story idea and they they go with it where they are. But what they don't do is create the original idea. Mm. And I think that that's the thing. If you create the original idea, it is your story. You get to do with it what you want. Equally though, and I I, I saw a few tweets um, from people, um, mainly screenwriters, sort of saying. Um, in reaction to that that petition, sort of saying, um, you know, it's really unfair and it's really difficult and blah blah blah. And I'm a little bit like, mm, boo hoo, you know. <laughs> you, we write stories. We we have to we we live or die by them. And you know, you can't say you, you can't say we're going to write the, we're going to write this amazing thing and not expect people to to not to react mm-hmm. to um, what's gone on. And also, you know. You also it also means that you can't cheat, and this is you know back to one of my my huge bugbears with with with, with TV, but also with all sto- storytelling is you know storytelling has to be good. It has to have a beginning, a middle, and end. You you know you can't you know it's like the boring person with it with it with the shaggy dog story, and it just goes on and on and on and on, and you kind of go and and then it finishes. You kind of go, well, you've just wasted my time, and. <coughs> This is a little bit, you know. I feel, I feel it with TV series in particular, and I, I, I stand up lost. You can't tweet. You can't say. You can't have all the pleasure of will this happen? Will that happen? Will this happen? Will that happen? And then just ready to go. Well, oh, do you know what? It was all a dream, or yeah. do you know what? You know, it was all part of someone's imagination, or some. You know, you can't do that. It, it, it made me think, though. I think you're absolutely right. But what it made me think, this idea of this, you know, sort of comical idea of a petition to get people to come back and rewrite it in a, you know, in a better way. I thought, what if that wasn't fans demanding that, but authors? <laughs> that it would be really cool if, as you, as you know, we often talk about books that have great beginnings and then peter out. And it'd be really interesting if, uh, if like, authors decided to collaborate with each other in, like, remix projects and look and say, like, look, you know, I... Uh, this book, I can see myself fell apart after page two hundred and thirty. <laughs> Why don't you have ending. a go at writing a different ending to it, to you know, a fellow author, and just having these kind of weird like remixes where you can read the original version, or you can read the version where Martin Amos came in and wrote a different <laughs> ending, or vice versa. I think that, I think that's a great idea. I think that would be brilliant. You know, <laughs> sort of versus sort of collaborations, the sort of same yeah. thing that you get with music. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. And fashion. Yeah. But I, th- I think you do I th- get that occasionally, don't you? You get, I mean, um, Kit the Wall, her uh, her latest book is a kind of retelling, of course, yes. of Moby yeah. Dick, isn't it? So yeah. there is, there is, a, you know, maybe yeah. it's already happening. But I, I think, you know, I, I think there is a thing where 
uh, and again, this is a bugbear of mine. Anyone can write. There are so many. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I don't. I don't hide that. Um, <laughs> anyone can write the beginning of a story. Anyone can do that. But yeah. it has to be for it to be a good story. It has to have a good beginning, middle, and end. And this is, you know, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm trying to say. Is that too often we get, especially in thrillers, we get this brilliant concept that they just don't know how to complete. But in order, in everything we're talking about, um, uh, we, we're talking about, um, you know, we've been talking about sort of remixing and changing things and um, responding, to. responding to mm. it. It sort of brings us very neatly to our next story, which is um, a really interesting story that came from the New, the New Yorker. Right, so I've, I'm going to read this to you. So, um, so what happened was, um, there's an author called Cosico Jackson, and they withdrew their publication of their debut young adult novel, which is called A Place for Wolves, um, which had been slated for a, a March 26th release. Uh, and the book was apparently about um, uh, two boys, and, uh, and uh, it's got a backdrop of the Kosovo War. And, it, uh, and to begin with, it, it garnered a lot of advanced praise. But then it reached, um, it, you know, they sent out advanced reading copies, and it, and it reached good reviews. And people began to respond to the depiction of and portrayal of Muslims in the book. And this one particular review had a, a snowball effect, which, which eventually led to the book being, can the, the, to the author uh, tweeting a letter of apology to the book community. Uh, and uh, the book was then withdrawn. Um, by the author themselves? By the author yeah. themselves. Now, this in itself... Is interesting, but it, it gets even more sort of interesting because uh, there was another, uh, a little while later, there was another author, a YA author, called Amelia Wenzel, and she had a, a, a book uh, called Blood Air, and she had a similar sort of thing happen where um, her book was about um, an empire that enslaves magical minorities. And uh, Goodread, good, uh, good uh, people were reviewing it and saying Goodread's people were reviewing it and saying that it was essentially um, taking away from the African-American experience of, of, of slavery and that they were up in arms about it. And so um, she too apologised and you know, she also had her uh, book um, decided not to have it uh, not published. But then in a, in a huge plot twist, um, it turns out that um, the first guy, Kosugo Jackson, was actually, um, he was also a critic of her, um, oh, her right. book and, you know, what had happened. Um, but he was also a reader in sensitivity, apparently. They have readers in sensitivity for, um, for, for five big publishers. So he actually failed his own, his own wow. test. So there's a lot to sort of pick on there. But just, I suppose, to kind of open it up to you both, um, this idea of... Um, Censoring your own novels. Well, where, where to begin with? Censoring your own novels, or or just snowflakes, or or, uh -huh. or or just I don't know. The whole thing just seems horrific. It does seem horrific. I mean, I guess the only the only counter you could suggest is that specifically with YA, you know, these are kids reading it, and therefore, is there a role for some kind of oversight? You know, obviously, you think adults should be able to read whatever they want and you know publish and be damned but 
Is there an argument that with with YA you need to be a bit more aware of stuff because these are impressionable minds? I don't know whether I believe that or not. I'm just wondering. Do you think the author... I would just wonder whether the authors jumped or were pushed because I can't... You know, did the, did the publishers maybe say, look, this would be a bit in your interest, it will save your career if you do this job? Because I think the authors needed to sort of stand up and say, yeah, look, but, you know, argue their case. Say, yes, look, yeah. I'm, I, you know, that, this is where I was coming from. That's what normally happens. You know, you go out there and you fight your corner and you say... You know, but but you you know that's your reading of it, isn't? And they didn't do that. They just went, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't think of that, which is weird. bizarre. I'm afraid of the, the sort of Twitter storm, but again, I suppose it, it can get at quite a momentum. But um, I, I'm shocked at, at the idea that you know there are things that you you know because this is what they're essentially saying. There are things that you can't write about yeah. as an author, and I think that is absolutely wrong. Yeah, and I think those authors are wrong to withdraw their works because they're perpetuating that idea and they're perpetuating the idea that, you know, you, that, that yeah, like Twitter storms, that's a legitimate form of, you know... Criticism, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and exactly, it's a terrible, it's a terrible precedent to set um, that, you know... Because wasn't there another case in the article about somebody who was getting, you know, some book that was getting loads of grief and there was lots of quotes about awful things that were in the book and these quotes were from racist characters there were yeah. racist characters exactly. in the book this is, this is and so you take them out of context and all of a sudden so people getting hard time for and i think it's fine as well as an author like to say they could have gone out and said yeah actually you know that's a really interesting response you know this is what i was thinking but yeah you know it's part of the debate isn't it it's mm. not a binary you know publish or don't publish it's kind of like yeah i guess that there's that perspective it's 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 a debate and you know it, it, it's fine to say you know um you know, you might not like it's. You can absolutely say I don't like your portrayal of Muslims or whichever ethnic ethnic group. Yeah. But that is not to say that equally you, you can't actually expect people to say that all Muslims, all black people, all minorities everywhere are nice because they're not. No. no but I think the the debate here though is is about whether or not someone has. If someone says to you. You know, it may well not have been this author's intention. Yes. Um, and so if someone says to you, I find what you said offensive, um, you know, if, if I was saying something to you and you found it offensive and you explained it to me why it was, my reaction would be, oh, my goodness, I will apologise. I won't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'll withdraw that. You know, so if, if a writer is sitting there and he's written a book and then unintentionally people are offended by it, mm-hmm. you know, could you say, well, it's in, my ca- in that case, I, I want to withdraw it because I don't want to offend people? No, but it's, it's insane. It is, it is the thin end of the, of the wedge. And I, I think that people, you know, I, I don't want to get all, you know, snowflakey about it. But <laughs> Such a millennial. It, 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 it does feel like people are offended at anything. You know, I had somebody um, uh, contact me and to say that, um, that, uh, that in one of my books, um, somebody wished that there's somebody who got tinnitus and she wrote to me and said um, that um, that somebody they knew had got tinnitus and um, it resulted in them committing suicide and I'm just like yeah. and, and I sort of said you know I'm sorry clearly I didn't mean to uh, offend but secretly I'm thinking it's a character in a the book they can say whatever they like people yeah. are not characters people in the world are not always politically correct therefore people in books can also not be politically mm. correct it's it's you know, it's it's not my opinion. I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sometimes just... you might make a mistake as an author. You might write something that afterwards you think actually, 
mm, now seen from this perspective maybe that wasn't the best way to express that or maybe I mean obviously we think that all the time about different yeah. things but you might think about it about something where you now you know with the with the benefit of age you might think actually I wouldn't use that kind of language now but I think that's fine to say you know what I mean mm. to be fallible and say you know yeah actually I probably regret some of the fr- you know I think as I say I think it's about dis- you know being honest and talking and not shutting things down so what we're saying is <laughs> publish 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 and be damned yeah, publish and be ignored probably um and that's probably the best way to deal with you know with stuff that is upsetting to you it's just uh, you know anyway we're we're, we're we're coming across like free speech absolutists I here. Know, I know, but, um, uh, but you know, maybe we are um so do let us know if you have any um thoughts on that as well um we are we've got 10 minutes of the show left yeah, I, I think it's time for us to talk about um what, what sort of books we've been reading and mm. perhaps give us a little bit of a review um and would you like to start Catherine? because you, you've you've got a book that you've read or Blake, I know that Blake's read the, the new um, Ned Bowman. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk about that for a little bit? Um, yeah, well, there's a couple of books um, I've read recently. The Ned Bowman, it's actually 2017, I think it came out, so it's not yeah. a new one. Um, but it, uh, Ned Bowman has written four novels. Uh, he's written uh, Boxer Beetle, which I think won the Costa Prize or certainly yeah, nominated yeah, one, yes, for yeah. it, um, The Teleportation Accident, um, Glow. Um, and then um, this one, um, Madness is Better Than Defeat. And I am. I am just such a big fan of Ned Bowman. I don't know if any have you read any of his of his stuff, but yeah. he is he's just is just funny, you know, really funny. So this this novel, um, <coughs> Madness is Better Than Defeat, is set in in well, set in, starts off in 1938, and there's a, a couple of rival exhibitions to the Honduran desert to sorry Honduran jungle to always get those muddled up Honduran <laughs> <laughs> jungle to, to, to see a, a sort of old recently discovered Mayan temple ruin. Um, one of them is a, a sort of a wealthy uh, benefactor who wants to t- take it apart and reassemble it in America, and the other one is a filmmaker who wants to make a film. They both get there at the same time, and then they this massive face-off um, about who's going to get to this building, for, and then they stay there for the next 20 years. It's, <laughs> it's, um, and the reason I was interested, uh, sort of smarting about wanting to shout about this book, is I read a review of it that said, you know, it's funny, but... You know, but there wasn't anything else other than the fact that it was funny, um, and and I, you know, that felt like really kind of what. Um, it's just, it's very, very. His his turn of phrase is wonderful. It's got a bunch of fantastic characters, and it opens with this marvelous sequence with a, a man resting an octopus in in, in a in a in a big um, fish tank for money, um, and it's just. I'd I, I strongly recommend all of his books. They're all really different. Well, certainly. The first two have similar themes, but then Glow is really different. I'd really recommend them. So that would be another one I would strongly recommend to you. It sounds fantastic. And it, 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 it just reminds me um, that people are just so scathing about humour. Mm. Um, it, it's bizarre. It, mm. it, um, publishers, in, in fact, you know, um, within my publisher, uh, I'm also aware that, you know, publishers, that there seem to be some sort of laws that kind of go along and, and one of which is um, that men don't read fiction yeah. and I, I don't know whether anyone anywhere has done any research about that because I read fiction and Blake reads fiction and oh, I'm sure Andrew reads fiction as well um, but you know there's always this law you know um, yeah men don't buy books men don't buy books <coughs> they certainly don't read fiction and um, funny books don't sell apparently um, mm. and I just find that really bizarre because I I think that it's it, it's actually really it, I think the thinking comes 
from uh, oh, actually, um, you know, it's it's really easy to make people laugh. So it's, it's something base, and I just think, do you know what? Wow. It's actually really difficult to make people laugh. And it's funny because if if I wrote a book to make people feel dread exactly um or misery yeah then i'm a great social realist aren't exactly. i yeah. um you know if I, and, and i you know i think it's easier to scare people than it is to oh, make them laugh absolutely yeah i'm gonna pull a face now to prove my point but actually <laughs> try, try to make people laugh and not in a cringy way but genuinely you know when I, I, I'll, I'll never forget um and again i know we're, we're talking about fiction but um when i always think about the, the funniest book i've ever read it has to be um Clive James. Clive James. Clive James. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, oh, just, yeah. it, it, there were bits of it that would just make me double over his term <laughs> phrase, his, his way he paints a picture. It's just, and not everybody can do that. No. Not, you know, people, I, I've read books that are meant to be funny and where somebody, he's, he's got characters cracking jokes every five seconds. Yeah. And I find that, you know. I'd, I'd you know rather scratch out my own eyes, but but absent people making me funny are oh, few and far between. Mm. So and, and Pete, I'm sorry, just I was going to say as well that people seem that there's a sort of breed of reader who find humour somehow extraneous to normal life and so they're like you know well you know do you need to separate that you know it's either a funny book or it's not a funny book and you don't want to write a sort of book that has bits of humour and it's just like oh it's all over the place and it's like well that is surely what life is like to me you know I've said this before but it would be a very weird kind of work of fiction if it didn't have any humour in how is that representative of mm. you know oh, so it's, it seems odd to me. So what are you? What have you been reading, Mike? Well, um, I, I'm reading the um, J.K. Rowling's um, the first uh, strike books. Oh yeah, um, and it. Uh, I'm, Robert I'm, Galbraith. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of. I'm, I'm sort of torn. Um, it is. It is really good in that uh, very good setup, and um, her. Ability to describe things is uh, amazing. She's she's really good on on really small details mm. and just yeah. But uh, I, I haven't finished it yet. But the, the plot is uh, is awful. Um, I think they're interesting. These I I, I agree with you because one of them the plot made no sense at all. I've read all more, but but I kept coming back for them because the relationship between the two central yeah, characters yeah, yeah, is really it's, good. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. But but the actual the actual plot itself, you know. I'm in this middle bit where she's just the, the, the characters are just going around interviewing people, just one after the other, and you, you kind of just think, in anybody else's hands, it, it would have it, you know it would have lasted like you know maybe page, maybe two pages, but she's just going on and on and on, and all she's all the characters are doing is just interviewing people related to the crime, and it's just like, wow, th- this is this is not very good. <laughs> Right, that's a controversial statement there from yes. Mike. Well, I'd say I would, my advice would be stick with them in the sense yeah. of those characters. The TV adaptations are quite good as well. It's okay, okay. another way of cutting out the middleman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the two books I just finished was um, The Sadie Jones Snakes and Luke Brown's Theft. And funnily enough, although they're completely unrelated, um, there's certain things in common. You know, they're both sort of about two worlds colliding in the um the snakes is about a couple one of um whom has 
ridiculously rich parents but has always tried to has always re, you know rejected their wealth and and shielded their partner sort of from the knowledge of how disgustingly rich her parents are and is really moral and good and is a really great character called B um but then her sort of partner they get embroiled in her family and he finds out how wealthy they are and he starts to really resent the fact that she's hidden this from him and it's it's a really dark dark book but really really great and similarly Luke Brown's book is sort of about that about class really class and the intersection with um uh sexual politics and a lot about Brexit and it's really you know, it sounds really dry. It's incredibly funny, but it's also quite a brave book. He's talking about, you know, he's daring to give a voice to people, you know, sort of northern white men and, you know, and uh, against privileged, you know, middle class London women. And which but without being really um, dogmatic about that, there's just these very nuanced kind of relationships. I have to say both books, I suppose, ultimately are fairly pessimistic about the chances <laughs> of people coming together in some great unity. Neither of them are, you know, adverts for Coca-Cola, but... Um, um, yeah, I really enjoyed both of them. And how about Andrew's in the room? How about are you, Andrew? You might be easy to get onto. Hey, uh, yeah, um, actually, I'm just reading um, a book by John Crowley. It's an old sort of, I hesitate to use the word fantasy. I don't want to get on the wrong side of you, Mike, because I, I know you're not a big fan. It's not really a fantasy book as such, not in a Game of Thrones not, way. Not, but not unless it's in verse. No, definitely not. Well, yeah, I know how you feel about poetry as well. Fantasy poetry, particularly. Um, No, uh, John Crowley, it's called Little Big, and it's about a guy who basically marries into a, well, a large extended family who may or may not be entirely human. But it's a very... Um, Wow. Yeah, basically. (laughs) No, no, I know. Um, And not in a kind of a horribly twilight sort of way. It's very subtle, um, the way that it's written, but there's just lots of suggestion. It's quite a lyrical book. Um, It's one of those sort of modern fantasy classics that a lot of people may have not heard of, but I just sort of picked it up and started reading it. Really enjoyable, really good. And uh, just to sort of uh, finish on, um, I've I've got uh, something that I got from LitHub here, and um, it's written by uh, a review from The uh, New Yorker. Uh, talking about uh, 13 common mistakes in book reviewing and how to avoid them, which I thought might be appropriate for be useful. And um, um, the first one, I, I won't go through them all, uh, but the, uh, the first one, it's a, it says grandiose claims. Um, and he goes on to say, author X is a writer who does nothing less than tear through the fabric of time <laughs> to solve the mysteries of life. Um, Catherine, as, as someone who reviews for, for um, Radio 4, have you ever felt guilty of, of that? I think probably I'm quite low on the list of people who make grand, grandiose <laughs> claims. I'm so kind of lukewarm about 99% of life and its contents. Right. Yes, <laughs> that's my main struggle, is ever summoning up some kind of, something that approaches an opinion beyond, all right. <laughs> But, it, but it's that thing, isn't it? I, I think reviews so often, um, you know, if, if anything, really, they'll go, this is amazing, this is life-changing, and, and, and you pick it up and you go, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well the thing is, though, it may be life-changing for them. I mean, that's the thing, is, is, is that this not. stuff is not... Is it, is it, or, is it, or is it just something that they say to you, yeah. you know, because... It's Nobody not. wants to see a page of books that go, hmm, it's all right, five out of ten. I mean, Catherine, again, as, as, as someone who does professional review do you ever have a view uh, ever have a mind to think oh it'd be great to be on the cover by saying this is a you know do you ever is that ever a factor do you think Mm, all i'm saying is do you have no integrity (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't i can't imagine anyone think i mean that would be fairly pathetic it's like it'd be great to have my name on someone else's book covers i'm I'm up for that anyone out there uh, it's normally the opposite actually that i might really like a book and i think 
oh, I don't want to give an endorsement because either A, because it'll be embarrassing because they're already a way better known author than me, so what's the point in me saying? Or B, I just look like some, you know, one who always gives quotes. So if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm less inclined to give quotes, even if I love a book. I just think, who cares what I think? Well, I, I, I had this embarrassing uh, situation <laughs> where um, somebody sent me a book, right, and they must send out the same book to, to loads of different people, yeah. but for loads of different reasons. And so they sort of said, oh, you know, let us know what you think and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And this was a much bigger author than me. Um, and I was just like, and, but it also wasn't in, in, in my particular genre. So I was just like, okay, well, okay, I'll read it. And so I read it and I, I, I wrote this, 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 this thing and I, I sent it to them. And they were like, and they were like oh, thanks. Um, um, oh, yeah, please come along and have a drink with us and blah, blah, blah. But... I just suddenly realised when they, they sort of, the, the way they responded, I just thought, oh, they didn't want me to review no. it. They, they just want me to sort of tweet about no, it or whatever. exactly, and, yeah. And I'm this jackass who, <laughs> you know, I'm never, you know, they're literally never going to put my name on this person's cover. So why did I even buy it? I did that once. I responded to like really earnest, and I like said, oh yeah, I didn't really like this bit. And then it's like my, my agent said after, you're not supposed to do that. You don't tell them you didn't like it. I was like, oh right, I didn't realise. Um, just just while we've, while we've got time, um, we, we've just, um, uh, another thing that they put in, uh, number point number four was casual narcissism. And he goes on to say, you know, just kind of putting yourself in the review. No, no, I'm, I'm, you know, Amazon reviewers just love that. They can't review anything without saying, you know, talking about them and what they like and what they love. Yeah, and it's just yeah, bonkers. yeah. I, again... I don't think I do that. I'm sure I commit lots of things, but I don't think I'm a casual narcissist. I'm, you know, casual. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> um, self-fluttering literary references. Yeah. I, I'm looking at Blake here. <laughs> no, not really. Um, uh, but you, you do see those, you know, people who just can't help but name drop. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and, and you used to get it, um, especially with sort of um, music reviews and anime, yeah. and where yeah. they'd sort of draw these parallels between Kant and the latest, you yeah. know, Smith's album, just because, it's a, just well, because they can. What? It annoys me when I, whenever I read the book, you know, I read the book pages uh, in, the, in, the, in the weekend papers. It annoys me that if I ever read an article about, uh, you know, astrophysics or something, they, would, they wouldn't expect me to have a master's degree in astrophysics in order to understand the article. Exactly. They explain yes. it. Often I'll read an article and they'll just throw away, oh, no, it's a bit like da-da-da-dee da, and um, yeah. with a lot of references of blue. And I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah. And I just think, why, why is it this one area in books that they, you know, they're assuming we have this, this it's, base knowledge? It's tiresome, isn't it? Because I, I must admit, I find that when you're doing the... Um, you know, the, there is that kind of Radio 4 thing yeah. where sometimes I'll think, oh, maybe I haven't got that much to say about this TV programme or this book and everyone else is, like, so articulate. And then I listen back to it and I think, actually, they didn't have that much to say about it either. But they kind of had lots to say about other things they wanted to just, you know, and not necessarily pertinent kind of references just to say, I'm saying something here, I'm filling airtime. Well, it's this idea of, of, of the canon, isn't it? You yeah. know, that, 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 that they will compare anything to... Shakespeare, yeah. um, you know, Wordsworth, all, all of the things that they probably studied at university. Ma Mike's run out of famous novelist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare. Yeah. 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 J.K. Yeah. Rowling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it, it, it's, it's sort of drawing on those things that they've sort of studied at university mm. and, you know. Yeah. Blah. Yeah. 
we're up against the end of the show. I know. It, it, the time has flown by. Um, you for us, at least, not for the <laughs> listeners, maybe. <laughs> You've listened to the Brum Radio Book Show. Um, we've been, I've been Mike Gale. And I've been Catherine O'Flynn. And I have been uh, Blake Woodham for today. Thanks very much, and uh, see you next month, hopefully. Um, what we should do.